Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Defense! Defense! All the hard work, let's go! College football today. Any questions over here? Any questions over here? Let's get it on! It's the college football playoff. Live at 4 o'clock today, Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, and Gabe Morenci breaking down all the games straight through January 1st. We'll turn our attention to the big one, UCF. 25-game winning streak going up against the LSU Tigers. A lot of players not playing for LSU in this matchup. Reedy Williams out. Can UCF put the pressure on Joe Burrow to match them score for score? And I think that's the the actual game plan for uh, uh, Central Knights in this ballgame. Can they force the tempo against LSU's defense? I don't think they can do it. I mean, I, I watched UCF defensively. They gave up, Rich, 400 rushing yards to Daryl Henderson and Memphis. I think it's going to be a big day for Edwards Hilar. I look for Brissett to break out, and I look for Joe Burrow to really have an easy day because that running game will get ro- working early. LSU by 17 points in this ballgame. I-, I said it before the break. I, I think this is a as fascinating a matchup yeah. as last year's uh, UCF-Auburn game because you know that we, we have listened to UCF and UCF fans for the better part of the past year saying that they were national champions last year that they deserve a seat at the table in the playoff this year. And and I respect that. I mean, they've won 25 consecutive games now. They've got the longest winning streak in the country. Is it 25? I think it might be 20. i got to double-check. 25. 25, 25. I don't want to look at my notes, but it's 25. It is 25. Longest, <laughs> longest winning streak in the country. Uh, I have a ton of respect for what the program has done. Feel for Mackenzie Milton. Scott Frost now at Nebraska. Josh Heupel's done a great job. This is enormous because if you go back-to-back years beating SEC powers in major bowl games, I think we have to really start paying more attention to UCF. This is a big, big game, but this is not last year. Last year, Auburn took UCF lightly, in my opinion. LSU will not have that problem. LSU is basically fighting for everyone who has grown sick and tired of hearing UCF fans on social media in the media in general, LSU has a chance to break that uh, that winning streak to end another back-to-back national championship season, and there is no Mackenzie Milton. Darryl Mack has only started a couple of games in his career, even without Greedy Williams. Devin White is playing. Michael Divinity is playing. I think LSU gets the victory, and they do it convincingly. Well, here's the thing when you break down this game. You look at Auburn last year. They knocked off Georgia. They looked, knocked off Alabama. In almost three weeks, they get to the SEC championship game and they lose. They were not excited to be there against UCF. They thought they should have been one of the top four teams in the college football playoff. So that's the mindset of the Auburn Tigers last year heading into this matchup. You look at LSU heading into this ballgame, 9-3 this year. Uh, They knocked off Georgia, beat them by double digits in Baton Rouge at the earlier part of the year. But this is still an LSU team last year that lost to Notre Dame and Ian Book. So I don't think they're going to overlook UCF in this matchup. No. And you look at UCF's defense as a whole. They're right. giving up 227 rushing yards per game, but more importantly, Rich, 4.8 yards per carry. At the collegiate level with grown men, SEC offensive line, I, I'm sorry, it's an SEC offensive line, which yep. separates the SEC from all the other conferences, is that they recruit on the interior bigger than anybody in the Power Five and outside the Power Five. And I think you'll see that play out in this ballgame. Yeah, if this was any other group of five team, any other group of five team, I would worry about LSU's want to. If it was Fresno State. Boise? If it, 
Yeah, I, I would say even Boise. Even mm. Boise. I think LSU would be like, hey, we're an LSU yeah. power. We played in bigger games this during the regular nothing. season. Doesn't mean anything. We're without a couple of I, our key players. I would worry about their want to. It's UCF. We have all heard about UCF. 25. UCF is undefeated. They're ranked high. Longest winning streak in the country. I think Eddie O will have this team ready, to your point, the physicality of the offensive line. UCF reminds me of a group of five version of Oklahoma. They could score on anybody, but they could allow points against anybody. And LSU is going to slow down the game, limit the possessions for Mack and Adrian Killens and Greg McRae, who has been outstanding out of the backfield for UCF this year. I think... Getting Klein uh, Edwards Hilaire, yes. who was involved in a shooting, the he fact ma- that he made he'll the trip. play. Yep. The fact that he'll play. Nick Brissett will play. Uh, Burrow's a veteran, doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Uh, and they don't have a great receiving core. LSU's receivers this year. Justin Jefferson. Jonathan Giles came on at the end of the year, especially yeah, but he against, was yeah, I know. quiet. I, know. I, I expected a huge season out of yeah, the Texas Tech transfer. Just didn't never utilize him right. Didn't utilize him yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Michigan, by the way, up seven nothing. Big, they, big touchdown. You're watching the game. As, as I'm, I'm watching the, the game in the I restaurant. I see that. Yeah, uh, but uh, that's why I love this seat in the studio. Uh, I get a chance to watch the, the game. Best seat in the house. <laughs> that's that's right. why Marshall sits there. You know when, <laughs> when right. he when he's there. So uh, I am no Hall of Famer, but I am sitting in. You're Marshall a Hall Fox of Famer seat. if uh, Texas A&M comes through for you uh, with your best bet. Now LSU for me in this matchup is right on the fringe. I give you my top five bowl picks. I won the first two. I had Tulane. I had Wake Forest. Mississippi State's in there. Uh, Texas is in there along with Washington, which we'll get to in a little bit. But um, for me, LSU, superior in in this matchup. And they want to win this ball game in a big way. And, oh, this is big for them. You know, I think you could reverse psychology this game. Auburn didn't want to look at it that way because they had their sights set on bigger things because they knocked off Alabama and Georgia. But LSU could say, hey, you know what? We could be the team that everybody's talking about. Once we decimate UCF, everybody will be talking about LSU. So the, the backups are saying, you know what? Look in their chops. Let me get some. Oh, yeah. So oh, I yeah. think that's the mindset well, that, that could play out in this contest. And again, just to do a side-by-side comparison, because it is LA, it is a SEC versus UCF right. like it was last year. Auburn last year, beating UCF was a no-win, or playing uh, UCF was a no-win many. situation. Right. It, it was a no-win situation. You lose like they did, you're embarrassed, and it hurts Gus Malzahn. You win, pfft, Nobody cares. You beat, you you're beat, supposed to win. You're supposed to win. It's, it's, an, it's an American Athletic Conference team. That is not the case this year. UCF has been elevated to a level, not SEC, don't get me wrong, but they've been elevated to a level where they're a ranked team every week. They don't lose. We hear about the the national championship. This is no longer a no-win situation. There's a lot to gain for LSU, and I think they've been preparing accordingly. I love LSU in this game. I'm not saying that it's going to be a three-touchdown victory, but I, I think it's going to be comfortable. I think they I think they take UCF behind the woodshed. Yeah, I, I put it 48-31. I th- you think I, they can get the 48? Wow. I, I think that, yeah, because I, th- I think it's going to be one of those games just like we see with Auburn. You know? Yeah, and, and the one where thing the defense about, can't contend. Yeah, and, the U, and the UCF team has now become like the Kim Kardashian you know, especially on the East Coast. Now we're in New York City. People are like, hey, what's about this UCF yeah. team? Yeah. It's almost like when Johnny Manziel came to, you know, uh, was playing uh, Alabama and won it. So all, all the East Coast New Yorkers. Hey, who's this? Uh, yep. Who's this Johnny Manziel? Yeah. Who is this Johnny Manziel character? Yeah. Joe, you know. These Joe guys, Public all Joe of a sudden Joe wants Public to know about UCF. Yeah, I got the Gindaloons in I got New York you. are all yeah. like, you know, the hey, Gindaloons. the Gindaloons, hey, from Statagene, who's this Johnny Manziel? <laughs> that's right. You know, so that's where UCF yeah. is at right now, and yep. I, I think that's what you see play out. My best bet, all bowl. You had Texas A&M, the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. Uh, this is mine. I, all, really? All Urban does is coach them up. Win one for the Gipper. Urban Myers, last game for Ohio State. He's moving to take on an AD position. He's he's teaching some sort of ethical class at uh, for the Buckeyes in in after this win. After he did, they carry him off uh, on a throne because he uh, he won a national championship for the Buckeyes in 2014. I think this game is going to be a lot harder for Ohio State, and I'll tell you why. You look at Ohio State, 
12 and 1 this year. Their only loss came against Purdue, 29 points in West Lafayette, but they have 12 wins against opponents with a combined overall record of 75 and 82. That's a 477 winning percentage. On the flip side, you have a Washington team that lost three games by a total, Rich, of 10 points in this matchup this year. 10 total points. They have a defense that's only given up 185 passing yards per game. More importantly, only have allowed nine passing touchdowns all season long. Think they can play man-to-man coverage against those Ohio State wide receivers. High scoring, though. Washington gets a win. My best Bowl bet of the year, I'm thirty-seven to thirty over the Buckeyes. I'm surprised. Yeah, I I, it, I like Ohio say. State. Um, I I think it does. I know you're mocking Urban Meyer. He's a great coach. No, he is a great coach. I think the players will play for him. I, I don't think there've been any defections in this game. Not I mean, yet. You know, Nick Bosa's obviously been out for most of the season, but I, I haven't seen any defections. I think it's a full complement. For Ohio State, this will be one finish. of the better bowl matchups, right? It should be great. I mean, the offense of Ohio State versus that—that that is a legit Washington defense. I just love what that staff has done at Washington with the defense year after year. They have great defensive backs. This year, it's Taylor Rapp, it's Byron Murphy up front. You got Greg Gaines, uh, Ben Burkirvan, over 160 yeah. tackles this year from linebacker. It's an outstanding defense, but. You know, Ohio State's offense, what they did against Michigan, Michigan's touchdown taken off the board, by the way, still 0-0. Kid stepped out of bounds uh, against Florida. Pete Jackson I got working next to me. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I like Ohio State. I just think too many weapons. Uh, Ohio State's defense was vulnerable to the big right. play all year. Washington doesn't have big play weapons. Yes. That's a concern of mine. Big fan of Miles Gaskin. He's a blue-collar grinder. Right. I wouldn't be shocked if he had a Philip Lindsay-type year next year. He's that kind of a back. You know, not that big, but between the tackles, he'll work it. He's blue-collar. He'll grind it out. But I looked at Jake Browning a little closer Uh, this year. I mean, he's regressed year after year. I mean, 16 touchdown passes and 10 picks. Now, I know those three losses were by 10 points combined. One of those losses was the Cal. Yeah, I know. 12-10. I know. know, I agree. One was the Auburn. You know, when yeah. Auburn was Beginning still hot. Year, he didn't you know? make halftime adjustments. I haven't liked the way Peterson is coached this year. That's yeah. why I think this game matters. I'll throw well, a, and you think he's emaciated, too. He's too thin. I, I think he's I, on a diet. I, I don't Peterson, know if he's eating mommy or something. Listen, you know. give me a fit college football coach, and I'll support that I guy. I would take Bronco Mendenhall or Winningham. You ever see his jaw? I'll like take Larry lot. Fedora. But but still, Peterson, Peterson looks like he could run a triathlon. Yeah. Two stats that jumped out to me when I broke this game down the other day. I want to get your take on it. Ohio State's averaging 175 rushing yards per game. They're giving up 160 on the ground to opposing offenses. Right. The worst offensive rushing attack and defensive run-stuffing uh, defense for Ohio State since prior to 2009. Wow. I mean, that's a long time. We're talking nine years, and it's by 30, 40 yards. We're not talking like, you know, we're not splitting hairs by like five yards, six yards. I mean, for years now, Ohio State's had a dual threat type of offense, rushing for like 220 per game and passing for now well over 250. Now they're down to 175. Does that concern you against a secondary that can play man-to-man coverage like the Huskies can? Because I think it does, especially in third-down type of situation. Yeah, it should. I mean, uh, the offensive line came in with with a lot of attention, a lot of accolades, preseason accolades, didn't get their job done. I mean, when you have backs like J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber, and they were unable to establish the run, that's a big problem. I mean, put a lot of onus on Dwayne Haskins, and he delivered. He delivered all season long, accounted for more than 50 touchdowns, Heisman finalist. He's got those great receivers, has a ton of great receivers. So I, I think they'll move. I, it's a fascinating matchup, Joe. Because it's one of the are, best bowl matchups. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, I know you don't like it as much as I do. You're a Sun Bowl guy. Yeah. I love the Rose Bowl. There's something about, you joked about Keith Jackson, but for me growing up, there's something about Keith Jackson late in the day yeah. on New Year's Day, Sun beginning to set over the hills in, in Pasadena. <laughs> um, to me, that that yeah. was the bowl season. There was nothing better than that. Traditionally, Big Ten versus Pac-12 like we'll have in this matchup. It's a great game. You have the subplot of Urban Meyer's last game uh, coaching, at least for now. I think he'll come back again at some point, college or NFL. But Dwayne Haskins in that high-powered offense versus a great, gritty, bare-knuckle defense of Washington – 
It's an interesting matchup. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm curious to see which team shows up because if you're Haskins, you want to challenge that defense because that could raise your draft stock. I'm happy that Very nobody, good point. I, yeah. I'm happy, too, that players haven't left this matchup. It means to both programs for the Huskies, and it yep. matters to the Buckeyes. So I'm all in in this matchup. So I agree with you. I'll be locked and loaded watching the Rose Bowl this year. We'll see how it plays out because Washington is averaging 179 rushing yards per game, like you mentioned with Gaskin. He's an underrated running back as well that not a lot of people are talking about on the next level can catch the football yep. as well. So yep. that is, I, I think it's a 5:30 kick uh, in the Rose Bowl. Last game is the Sugar Bowl. No DeAndre Baker for Georgia in this matchup. That's a concern for yeah. the Bulldogs going up against two big play wide receivers and Colin Johnson and Lil Jordan Humphrey. That's a concern. You know I'm a Bulldog fan, but I think Texas can challenge that Bulldog defense vertically. They're giving up 180 per game through the air, but they haven't seen an offense led by Sam Ellinger that will attack them and put pressure on the perimeter. I like Texas in the upset. Yeah, I won't go that far. I, I like Texas to cover. I mean, we we talk a lot during the season. Few better underdog coaches against the spread than Tom Herman. I mean, give him double digits, even against a team as good as Georgia. And I have to take Texas. I think this will really matter to the Longhorn shot at their first 10-win season since 2009. Sam Ellinger has had a very good, underrated season, both as a passer and a rusher. I think they need more help out of the backfield. I think someone other than Ellinger has got to run the ball, whether it's Trey Watson, uh, you know, whether it's Ingram, yeah. Keontae Ingram. One of those kids is going to have to take some of the pressure off Ellinger. Defense has a lot of talent. I think they could... Slow down maybe the passing game. My biggest concern is those backs. Yeah. I mean, the physical offensive line of Georgia and those backs, DeAndre Swift and Elijah Holyfield, that could be a handful for the Texas defense. But again, we have short memories. Uh, the defense of Georgia looked great in the SEC title game, but I would challenge you, without DeAndre Baker, who is the scary defensive star of the Georgia they defense? They don't have one. Right. And they, right. they can't run sideline to sideline and run support. That's why I like Ellinger, because yes. his ability on read options to put pressure on that Georgia defense, they really struggle with mobile quarterbacks. Look at Jalen Hurts in the SEC yes. championship game. And, and, and we talked about it a lot during the season, Joe. Uh, obviously, good defense, great coach in Kirby Smart. Not the same defense as last year, and now you take Baker out, that could open up opportunities for those big wide receivers. Yeah. Colin Johnson and Jordan, uh, Lil Jordan Humphrey, 144 total receptions and 16 touchdowns this year. So I like Texas. Rich does too. So when we come back, we'll be joined by Gabe Morenci with his best picks for the day. Keep it where it is. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. We're rocking and rolling here. Early games have kicked. No score in Florida and Michigan. No score in South Carolina and Virginia. We'll wait for Gabe Jolisi, Rich Sermonello. Live on College Football Today, brought to you by BetDSI. Some information came out from Vegas, Rich, that uh, Vegas took a $60,000 money, money line bet on Notre Dame at wow. plus... 340 right now that would net around 204,000. So wow. a lot of early late money pumping in on the Irish right now. Isn't that what we said too? I think Jamie had said it that the public loves to bet Notre Dame and and Notre Dame just has fans across the country. The line which I think has slipped down to 11. Wouldn't be surprised if that gets down to 10 10 and a half with more money coming on Notre Dame. And Notre Dame is trendy right now. Notre Dame is a trendy pick to keep that close. I disagree. I think Clemson is is an elite program. I think Clemson and Alabama are the two elite programs in college football. 
The next tier includes teams like Georgia, like Notre Dame, yeah. uh, like Oklahoma, possibly Ohio State. We'll see what they do in the Rose Bowl. But um, I think they're a cut above. I think they win by double digits. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, what's, what's more interesting is that Oklahoma's plus like around 480 on the money line. So if you want to make some money, I mean, obviously Oklahoma is, is yeah. uh, has more value in terms of the money line bet. At least right now when I left the house, it was plus 480. Haven't gotten a live updated line on that. But we'll jump right into our best bets. We'll get them out there. I would just talked about two of mine. Washington in the Rose Bowl. They're catching around six and a half. I like them on the money line plus 205. I like that secondary. I know Jake Browning, but to me, it does come down to Miles Gaskin, their ability to pound on that Ohio State defense that's given up 160 rushing yards per game. I think Washington does get a seven-point win over the Buckeyes in the Rose Bowl. I talked about Texas, the size of their wide receivers, Colin Johnson, Lil Jordan Humphrey, both of those wide receivers, 6'5 and 6'6", respectively. Georgia doesn't see that type of size at the wide receiver position playing in the SEC. I think that could be a factor, coupled with the fact that Texas has lost only four games this year by a total of 21 points. 12 of those points came in the Big Ten, Big 12 championship game in the rematch against Oklahoma. Give me the Longhorns. I think they win outright over the Bulldogs, not sold on the the mindset of Georgia in that matchup. Mississippi State, I think they have the superior defense. Simmons and Sweat will play. The mobility of Nikki Fitz on the perimeter. I think they're, they're, they challenge Iowa's defense vertically, coupled with the fact that Moorhead, the former offensive coordinator of Penn State, knows the personnel of Iowa. I like Mississippi State in that ballgame by 14 points or more. Virginia's underway. I like them plus the four and a half. I like them on the money line. Think they get the win over Will Muschamp in South Carolina. I like Pittsburgh with the points in the Sun Bowl. Don't think it'll be easy, but I think Kenny Pickett somehow, some way makes enough plays. Pitt gets the victory, the outright win, high scoring in the Sun Bowl. And give me Clayton Thorson with the points. Catching seven against Shelly Huntley. To me, it doesn't matter. I think Northwestern's a live dog. I think they at least keep this game close over Utah. Any games during our discussion where you start saying, I'd like to add them to, to well, become I a best bet? One, one would be LSU. Now, okay. you know, just, okay. just I, I, when I yeah, talked yeah. about I said they were on the fringe. Right, right. Because I don't think they're going to, after watching Auburn and knowing that they beat Auburn and now they're facing an undefeated team. I would add LSU into yeah, that yeah. mix. Yeah, no, it's fun to talk through them sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes you, you develop like, hey, I like new opinions. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that happens on... Uh, okay, my best bets, again, I I, uh, I I hesitate to pat myself on the back, but I've done well in the bowl season so far. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> oh, for, yeah. If I let you pat me on the back, I'll probably break a rib oh, or something <laughs> like that. Um, okay, uh, starting with today with the playoff, I, I love Alabama. I, I just... Uh, I, I'm not... It's not, not because of the Alabama pedigree and not just Nick Saban. I, I just think that Oklahoma defense scares the, the heck out of me. I, I don't think Alabama punts today. I really don't. I, I Maybe one punt out of Alabama. They're going to go up and down the field, maybe slow it down with the running backs, pound it with Damian Harris, watch Josh Jacobs, who could be the best of those backs in terms of NFL potential. I think Alabama gets north of 50. Uh, Oklahoma maybe scores 31, but I see it uh, 52-31 Alabama, so I like the tide to roll. Uh, Texas A&M, again, there's going to be a heavy SEC and uh, heavy uh, favorite theme with my best bets for the next couple of days. I like Texas A&M. I think Jimbo Fisher, this is his uh, propulsion into 2019, uh, has the better offense defensively, number two run defense in the country. NC State losing their best defensor to, uh, defender to the NFL, Jermaine Pratt, their linebacker. I'm with Joe on Mississippi State. Defense allowing 12 points per game. Better quarterback for the system in Nick Fitzgerald. Didn't think about it, but Joe brought up a great point. Joe Moorhead was a fish out of water in the SEC this year. Had to learn a lot of new teams. Not the case with Iowa. Knows that personnel. Knows that defensive personnel in particular from his days as the Penn State offense coordinator. Good point by Joe. I'm on Mississippi State. Virginia Tech, to me, I think is an opportunity to sort of uh, make amends for a horrible regular season in Blacksburg. They did finish the season strong. Back-to-back wins over Virginia and, and Marshall to extend their nation's best bowl streak. I think they get over 500 in this game. I think Bud Foster is going to have that young defense ready with a month to prepare, almost a month to prepare. I think he does a good job against a mediocre Cincinnati defense Virginia Tech not only covers, they're getting five and a half, six. I think they win this game outright. LSU, to makes to me, makes more and more sense. The more we talk about that Fiesta Bowl, LSU, UCF is not going to catch LSU uh, by surprise. 
The want-to is going to be there for the Tigers. The, the superior speed and size. I think they shove around UCF and their backup quarterback, Daryl Mack. So I like LSU big. And finally, Rose Bowl, Joe and I butting heads. I think this is the only best bet where we're going against each other. I like Ohio State. I, it's not just emotion with Urban Meyer, and there'll be some of that, the fact that it's his last game, but that offense of, of Ohio State, once they start to score, Washington just doesn't have the offensive personnel to keep up. Even in games that they won, like the Pac-12 title game, really struggled to score against Utah. So I like Ohio State. They finished the regular season strong with Dwayne Haskins. I think that continues in Pasadena. So, again, Alabama, A&M, Mississippi State, Virginia Tech, LSU, Ohio State. Uh, I really like uh, SEC teams going forward. Yeah, great point. You were 4-0. I went back to the tape. I was 3-3. Three and three. I had Boston College. That game was canceled against Boise State. And they were winning so that game, so you, you win- might have yeah, won that game. One game that we didn't touch on, Rich, I, I think I overlooked, it was UK and Penn State. That's a that's a pretty uh, big battle. Benny Snell in that matchup going up against Trace McSorley. Five and a half, six-point favorites. This is... I could see this game going either way because I think if Kentucky can run the football, they'll be in this matchup, but I'm just not sold. I think the speed of Penn State, to me, is the difference. James Franklin in a bowl scenario, you look at last year, they got the victory over Washington. You look at his days going back to Vanderbilt, always has his teams prepared for bowl games. I like Penn State here because of the mobility of Trace McSorley. Yeah, I, I forgot about the Citrus Bowl as well, but um, I really like Penn State in this game. Came close to making it a best bet, but didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, you, you got the better quarterback in McSorley. You got Miles Sanders, K.J. Hamler at wide receiver. A far better offense than Kentucky. Kentucky struggled all year long. Yeah. You want to compare him to somebody. We just talked about Washington. Kentucky, same, Kentucky's yeah. like SEC's Terry Washington. Wilson, yeah, with Terry Wilson. Yeah, great defense, you know, airtight defense. Josh Allen, arguably one of the better, if not the best defensive player in the country for Kentucky, the outside linebacker. But offensively, they're just they're so hit and miss. So I think once Penn State kind of breaks through and starts to score, Kentucky will have a difficult time keeping up. And then one other thing to keep in mind, we spent a lot of time this year talking about the Penn State weapons and the Penn State quarterback, McSorley. But little by little, that defense really yes. became a juggernaut. Uh, 43 sacks lead the country in sacks. 43. They're getting it from all angles. Uh, Yator Grossmatos is somebody, the sophomore, who really developed as the season went on. So if the Kentucky offensive line is unable to contain the pass rush of Penn State, that is really going to double down on their inability to score in this Citrus, uh, citrus Bowl. And to your point about uh, Penn State in terms of sack totals, James Franklin and that defensive staff have done that now in recent years. You look at some of the players they lost. Carl Nazem led the, yeah. led the nation in sacks, 15 and a half. All of a sudden, guess what? They, they came right back and recorded like 49 total sacks the next year. Yeah. Now, last year, they get decimated with defensive talent. They're back up there. They're leading FC, FBS. Not a lot of household names now, but that's the one thing that that coaching staff has done. And I think when you look at this game overall, the way you have to beat Penn State is over the top of their secondary. That's not the strength of Kentucky right. with Terry Wilson. Yep. They want to run the football, establish the line of scrimmage, work off a of play action. They couldn't do it against Georgia, and I think that's the same type of recipe that plays out in this ballgame because look for Penn State to jump up early and put the pressure on that offense to match them score for score. And I think there will be a lot of emotion. You know, there's certain players that are, you know, uh, they're sort of symbolic of a program. They're a face of a program. That has been the case for Trace McSorley. And, and McSorley and Franklin together have done some nice things, maybe didn't hit their mark, couldn't win the big games this year. But the fact that Trace is playing in his last game, and I, I actually think he's going to be a pretty good pro quarterback. I, I think he will, too. I yeah. mean, mobility's big. Marshall said it. Get it, and it's not so much Michael Vickish type of right. Lamar Jackson. Doesn't have to be designed plays per se. Aaron Rodgers yeah. type of pocket presence. Yes, he's not a big runner. He's but. agile inside the pocket to escape the pass rush, and he's also has the athleticism to make plays when the pocket breaks down and just basically scoot out and pick up a first down. He's a smart, competitive, athletic player. Won't have the strongest arm in the draft. But I think you could certainly find a spot on a roster for Trace McSorley and eventually could see him starting and, and winning football games. Could be like a, a Taysom Hill 
Two. Yeah. Not as big, not as big or built or the type of speed 4-2. I think uh, Taysom Hill ran a, like a 4-4-4-2 type of speed, but he is a burner and, and can put pressure on opposing defenses in certain types of packages. So that's, that should be pretty interesting. I like Penn State, Joe. Uh, it would be huge for Kentucky and Mike Stoops. I mean, this would be the exclamation point. Almost got that victory last year against Northwestern. They, they, they got yes. Rocked, you know. Yeah. That, that was tough for them. That you game. beat Penn State in a January 1 bowl game to get 10 wins. That would be the cherry on the top for what has been a a breakout season for Stoops yeah. and for Kentucky. Yeah. It has been a great season. I just worry about the offense. little too methodical. These days when you're unbalanced. If you're going to be unbalanced, you better be prolific on the ground. Benny Snell's been very good, but it's not like, you know, he wasn't a 2,000-yard rusher. Or you're going to have to run the triple option. Terry Wilson's just not a great quarterback right now. Yeah, getting some updates. Uh, Michigan couldn't move the football. Florida, uh, third and goal on the Michigan four. Can't score. I can't tell you what's going on. Lining up for a field goal. UVA and Bronco Mendenhall roll the dice. Fourth and two on the six. He goes for it. Bryce Perkins touchdown. Up 7-0 on Jake Bentley and the crew. So early on, first quarter, we'll see how those games play out as the the show progresses. I I think when you look at it in terms of coaching players, matchups in in in, the, in these matchups that we see pressure i look at lincoln riley in this matchup and i know he's playing for the most part with house money but you think he's thinking about last year in terms of what he didn't do in terms of pulling that victory second out. half against georgia yeah do you think that that could play out i don't into know this? I, i'm I, always I, curious i don't know. think he's feeling you know when when you're a two touchdown underdog and you're and you're playing alabama i i don't think there's any added pressure i don't think it's house money Per se, I right. mean, you do have the Heisman quarterback. You were here last year and blew a double-digit lead against Georgia, a game I think they should have won in the second half won. with Baker Mayfield. Should have won that game, and they just collapsed, uh, outcoached in the second half. I don't think there's any additional pressure. I, I, I don't know if any one coach – to me, there's more pressure on the coaches that are heavy favorites. I think there's more pressure on Dabo and Nick to get to Monday night and to play for a championship again because that's what everybody expects. Yeah, it, it, I'm curious. I, I, the first five minutes, you'll know which team is is has a chance early on, and, and you could see sort of the, the chess match between these coaches because if Kyler starts and he's completing his first five passes, guess what? You know, Alabama better buckle up because it's going to be a long day. For Joe, the matchups secondary. are going to be riveting, and, and granted, we do this for a living, so obviously we're legitimately fired up. This right. is this is why we, we have excited this, this is why we have tuxedos on. This is like our holiday. You <laughs> this know, is this, it. this is what this it's is all about. New Year's Eve. We should, right. you know, we pop in champagne later. But these matchups really are fantastic. I, I mean, there really is so much built into these games that make them more than just playoff games, more than just games to bet on. You know, Kyler Murray in that offense versus Nick Saban in his defense. Uh, the young upstart coach in Lincoln Riley versus Saban in that staff. Uh, over on the other side, you have, uh, you know, Ian Book, who comes in, two quarterbacks who came in midseason, Ian Book and Trevor Lawrence. I want to see Trevor Lawrence in this spot. I think he's up to the challenge. I think he is one of the best young quarterbacks that we have seen in a generation as a true freshman, and I think he's going to show it against that Notre Dame defense. Well, it's brought up to me, Brandon Wimbush now has already stated that he will transfer, transfer after the college football playoff. Does that factor into this at all? I don't think that factors in in any way, shape, or form. He'll be ready just the way Jalen Hurts was ready in the SEC championship game, stepping in for Tua. But I guess the ankle could be a concern. Now, we don't know yes. how... Healthy Tua is. The reports are he had a minor surgery for a high ankle sprain. He should be 85 to 88%, whatever that means. But as long as he could stand in the pocket, he's not the type of quarterback that's going to put utilize RPOs like Jalen Hurts. So I think he should be fine. But we'll see. I mean, one bad hit, and then it could be the Jalen Hurts show in the second half or during the course of the game. Yeah, it's definitely a wild card. I mean, uh, I'm under the assumption that he's going to play and be close to full strength. Uh, I don't know if there will be any more rust than anyone else would have because the layoff since the SEC title game is the same amount of time that anybody else hasn't played. Uh, I I tend to think we're going to see the Tua who was spot on for most of the regular season leading up to that finale against Georgia. I think we're going to see that guy. I, I, I don't think there's a better quarterback at the college level right now who goes through his progressions who makes his reads, who checks down to find the open man better 
faster with more clarity than Tua Tungavaloa. I, I think he's the best at that. And against an Oklahoma defense that is ill-equipped to handle that kind of a passer, I think it's going to be a very long evening. And again, I said it earlier, Kyler Murray is going to have to essentially put that Oklahoma team on his shoulders and carry them. I, I, I think the potential is there. He's that good as a dual-threat quarterback, but it's asking a heck of a lot against that Alabama defense. And now Brown is suspended for this, the offensive lineman for Alabama. So, yes. But again, I don't think it's that big of a loss like a lot of people have been making out. I mean, especially when you have five stars and you have the the tackles that are, that are in place. I mean, we're talking about an offensive line that is just dominating at the point of right. attack. And uh, from a physicality perspective on the defensive front, I don't think that uh, Oklahoma can challenge that. Now, you look at the running backs as well. Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris, Damian Harris. They're going to be utilized as well. Just the way we talk about Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks in the short-to-intermediate passing game. Let's not forget the short-to-intermediate passing game for those backs yeah. going up against the Oklahoma linebackers because they could not contain Sony Michelle last year. So when we come back, we'll be talking to Gabe Morenci, get the best bets for the day. Also be wrapping up the college football playoff. Joe Lisi and Ritz Sermonello live from Studio 34 Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. back in on college football today just a couple of hours away from the first semifinal game between Notre Dame and Clemson you like to wager on sports or never have and would like to try head on over to bet DSI they have wagering options for almost any sport you could think of including sides totals and player props where you can utilize your daily fantasy skills without salary cap constraints you can even wager on esports politics and reality tv Get an edge with live betting at BetDSI, where you can wager virtually any time during a contest, capitalizing on in-game action. There are so many ways you can make money. Go to BetDSI and enter the promo code FNTSY18 when signing up and get a 100% bonus deposit match. That's promo code FNTSY18, BetDSI, where players get paid. We're waiting for Gabe. Gabe is with us. He's been traveling around Toronto, Vancouver. We got about 18 minutes, Gabe. How are you doing today? Always a pleasure, guys. Always a pleasure. Uh, I'm ready to rock. I just got 18 minutes, and I think I have about 37 picks uh, as well. So I guess I guess we have enough time. A great job breaking down uh, the national uh, the, the championship uh, playoffs. And, you know, you read something interesting, Joe. And as you were talking about, I was thinking about it. I, just, I heard the last segment. And and it's true. If you're Oklahoma, you're kind of in a weird spot with this quarterback situation because they are both such unique quarterbacks, and they do different things. And they they run different offenses. And there's not, not a lot of teams that can do that. And I remember Marshall Falk brought that up earlier in the year about how that was the thing that impressed him the most about Alabama, that if something's not working – they can just switch their scheme completely. They're not locked in. Like, oh, you know, we play a cover two, and, you know, that that's that. You know, if it's not working, it's not working. Alabama can scheme as games go along and just completely change what they want to do. And we see that with Hurts, and we see that with Tua is in, in the game. But then you get the unknown, like Joe stated about Tua. I mean, like you said, I don't know what 85 to 88% means. I mean, I guess the guy's still pretty good. I think his 50% is better than a lot of other people's 100 
100%. Yet, you know, we're talking about teams that haven't played in nearly a month. I think it's been 26 days uh, this year, so it might be a little less than it normally is. There's always unknowns, man, when teams haven't played for this long as well. And we've seen Alabama. Remember, we used to we used to talk about it on a weekly basis. It was free money, Alabama in the first half. Well, that wasn't the case. Remember, they didn't cover against uh, uh, the Citadel in the first half. They were tight. Um, and then what happened? Auburn gave them all they can handle in the first half and then fell apart, dropped a lot of passes. Uh, Georgia early. So there has been a pattern, actually, in Bama's last three games that they're not coming out and punching you in the mouth. They're sort of starting off slow, and other teams are getting a quick start on them. So to me, that's, that's just massive. If you're Oklahoma, and I know it sounds simplistic, guys, about who early points are, are important, but if you're Oklahoma, you get some confidence. And I know, Rich, you brought it up where you think it's going to go the other way, where the Oklahoma are going to be on their heels uh, all evening here. But if Oklahoma can strike early and, and just get some confidence, say, look, we can score on these guys. It's just like playing any other game. We can score. Put pressure on Alabama to actually try to keep up. Because, yeah, I, you know, listen, Alabama's going to be able to move the football. Uh, but it might be an instance where Oklahoma is scoring faster uh, than, than Alabama is. So I actually legitimately believe, I believe that Oklahoma is going to be able to trade points in a high-scoring game in this one, guys. I'm taking the Oklahoma Sooners plus the points. I, I wonder how much, Gabe, that's going to affect uh, philosophy because, you know, obviously Oklahoma can score. And I think they will score in this game. But how much do you think Alabama will look to, to change the tempo uh, because Oklahoma can score so fast, is this the time where you sort of, you know, kind of pull back on the passing game and go back to those backs a little bit and just punish the Oklahoma yes. defense? That's what I'm thinking. Uh, we know Saban is very Belichick-like. I mean, they're good friends, and they're both successful for the same reasons. They'll attack the weakness of the other team. As I was saying earlier, Rich, they're not going to get locked into one. If the passing game's working, hey, we'll throw the ball. If the running game's working, but I get the same feeling. You know, we saw it last year in a title game where Georgia's big backs and the big SEC offensive line just sort of started to wear Oklahoma out. I mean, Oklahoma's more of a speed-based defense, so let's not kid ourselves, than a physical defense. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's hard to, to meticulously uh, go down the field on these 8 and 10 and 12 play drives. Mistakes can happen, but that's just the thing. Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma's in tough here. Alabama just don't beat themselves. You know, that's a problem, and we can pretend, ooh, they haven't played in nearly a month, but it's still Alabama. I just think that Oklahoma's going to give – uh, I think it's going to be a fun football game. I really like the over of this game from a betting perspective. I do believe there's going to be points uh, in this contest today. But ultimately, I, you know, I sort of think we're looking at sort of like a game like that Georgia game last year. You know, 48-40, uh, 50-41. You know what I mean? High-scoring game, but that, that, that 14 points is just, just too many points for me, guys. I'm going to take the Oklahoma Sooners plus the points, and I'm going to go over the number in that game. And the next game, and you know, it's amazing, isn't it? We've talked so much, and not just us, but everybody in the media, and everyone's talked so much about about Clemson and about Oklahoma and Kyler Murray and obviously about Alabama. It's amazing to me that a school sort of as public and as popular as Notre Dame, not getting any any love and not really any talk at all. And it's almost like there's no pressure on the Irish coming into this thing. There's pressure on everyone else. There's pressure on Dabo Sweeney. There's pressure on, on Kyler Murray. There's pressure on Saban to defend uh, the den here, so to speak. Seems like Notre Dame come in here with house money. And, uh, you know, as the game approaches, I was thinking, man, I've underestimated Notre Dame all year long, guys. And here we are. We're getting 12 points. And, and, and if, with a defense as good as these guys are, uh, you know, against the run, against the pass, very calm and composed on offense. You know, they don't have a great track record in big games, but I'm taking the double-digit points with both underdogs today in the, in the playoff games. Yeah, speaking of points, you should be happy. Donovan Peoples-Jones just scored for Michigan, so they're up 7-3 on Florida early on in the first quarter. So we'll see if Jim Harbour on the crew can can wear down the Gators in that matchup. 
I told Rich before that, you know, uh, somebody came in and, and placed 60000 on the money line in Vegas at 340 uh, for the Irish. That's 204000 if they win. How much does the public perspective or I want to say uh, persona or, you know, the backers, you know, play into the line movement of both of these matchups? When you look at Alabama, Oklahoma, it's down to 13 and a half. And you look at now Notre Dame only catching around 11 points in this ballgame. Well, it's starting to start trickle in, Joe. We've seen, man, I don't know if you saw the FanDuel Sportsbook this week, but taking some massive bets. Somebody dropped like 168000 something or something like that on Syracuse. It was a real sweat job for them as well. But you've seen this. It's like we kidded about Duffel Bag Boy. Where is that guy anyways? Did he disappear? We haven't heard about him. Like, he didn't make it to the playoffs, I guess. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think the money right now, Joe, I think generally – I hate to use the square and the sharp uh, angle, but generally, you know, the guy that's betting 20 bucks or 50 bucks and, you know, the public guy, the fan guy, is going to be laying the points with the favorites. Oh, there's no way Oklahoma, oh, there's no way Notre Dame's going to hang with Clemson. But guys that bet big money, generally, it's sort of like the old school Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler, right? We throw the football two about things, two about, uh, you know, Three, two of the bad things out of the three things that happen um, are bad. And it's sort of like when you're laying points, it's the same way. You know what I mean? You're laying points, you got to win the game, and you got to cover the point spread, as opposed to just, you know, covering the number and losing with the points. So you'll see people that bet bigger will generally take the underdog, Joe. At least, they, you know, that that's what we've seen. Alabama's a little different just because they're such a machine, but as I stated, man, they haven't covered as much as people uh, think they have. And they've still, you can move the football on these guys. I think the over, that's going to be my best bet because I know it's dangerous uh, getting in front of Alabama, but I'm going to be pulling the trigger on the over uh, in this football game. And the total in the Notre Dame game, I don't know, man. It's, it's a tough one. You can't force a bet on every side or total here, guys. It's 56 and a half or so. I tend to think it's going to be more of a smash mouth NFL-style football game, you know, in the 24-17 range, or maybe, you know, 27-24. I don't know. I don't think they get into the high 60s. I don't think Clemson and Notre Dame's a shootout, but I'm going to pass on the total there. Hey, Gabe, uh, uh, we talked about the two playoff games. We have two games that started already. One game that you know, I think everybody will forget about unless they have some uh, some kind of a wager on it would be the Arizona Bowl. I think it's an interesting matchup. I don't know if you have an opinion on it or a pick, but Arkansas State and Nevada, Joe and I went over it. Two very similar teams, veteran quarterback, ability to get to the quarterback on both sides. Any thoughts on that uh, Sunbelt Mountain West game? It's a fun game. It is. And, you know, it's one of the better Sunbelt and Mountain West games. But I really, I don't, you know, I don't understand, man, the method to their madness this year with these bowl games and, and how they schedule them. You have these games sort of, you know, sandwiched in before, before these big title games. You've had a lot of these fun games going head-to-head with NFL games. You had the game canceled solely because it was just, well, you know, we only had this game to kill a couple hours on TV, and you know, we, we want to go through the headache of rescheduling it, so let's just move on. I didn't understand. Did, did, anybody, did anybody answer to that, game? I, I was shocked. I mean, lightning doesn't move out of the area? That first responder bowl? you have any idea why they you just shut the that dirty, down? The dirty secret was, the dirty secret was, it was an ESPN game, and they didn't have room to play it. You, oh, know, you, like, you mean like, uh, schedule-wise? Schedule-wise? It's literally made for TV, right? Yeah. This stuff. So, you know, to me, I don't know why they didn't say, all right, listen, we're putting it on ESPNU. We're putting it on, you know, you have ESPN Plus now with the online yeah. stuff. I think you did a disservice to the kids, but yeah. essentially it was ESPN that said, well, listen, we restart this game in five hours. We're, we got NBA games tonight. And we're not about to the NBA game for the Sir Pro Bowl, right? So... That's basically what it came came down to, from what I understand. It they consulted with ESPN, and not to mention ESPN crews. They're on to the next game. You imagine a logistics uh, logistical nightmare of this type of stuff. But what a disservice to the kids. Yeah, you know, no bowl rings, no one wins. Families go there. Uh, that, that was just the ultimate of frustration. Yet, you know, the TV numbers for the bowls have been pretty good, even though the attendance is down. Like ESPN's defending it and. They're saying there's not too many bowl games and everything's great. But I think we'll have some good quality football today. But, I, you know, 
I'm not rich enough, uh, Rich, pardon the pun, <laughs> to be forcing bets on Mountain West and yeah, Sun yeah. Health Games where, 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 where we've got so much so much great action coming up. But I'm going to be laying the points. Uh, I'm going to be taking the points with the Irish. I'm going to be taking the over the Oklahoma game. And I know we're going to be running out of real estate because you guys got to get to your picks for the upcoming games this week as well. But You're good. You're good. We actually, we actually made our best bets already. You're good. It's all, it. it's all you. It's all you. Okay, good, good. So, well, you can you know, share your thoughts on some of these, but I'm all about the underdogs. And we talked about this. Last year, the first 70, 75% of the bowl games, double-digit routes. And for the most part, we've seen the same thing. I mean, next year, I'm actually going to make money on this stuff because now, now, now I really start to understand these bowls a little bit better. It's only taken me 48 freaking years. <laughs> um, but uh, looking at these games like Northwestern and Utah, you know what I mean? The Pac-12. It's not like these guys have been bowl killers. That's a lot of points to be laying against football teams that are extremely similar to me. You talk about, you know, what would a good coach Whittingham has is. But I'll tell you, Northwestern, you know, he's, they're just so similar. Their programs, their style of play, to me, there's mere images of each other. And I'm expecting a really close game. So I'm going to take Northwestern plus the points. I'm going with UCF. You know, I'm not going to overthink things. The team's won 25 football games in a row, and I'm getting seven and a half points. I don't care who the quarterback is. I think they'll be ready. I think they'll feed off it. You know, I, I'm, I don't love the matchup against LSU. I would have preferred to mix it up. I would have seen UCF versus the Florida Gators and LSU and Michigan uh, play each other. Um, I, I reiterate, I thought Wazoo deserved to be in, in one of these bigger uh, – uh, New Year's Day bowl games, uh, but I digress. Uh, but so I'm going to be taking UCF uh, plus the points as well. I'm taking the Iowa Hawkeyes uh, plus the points. And I think we would look at the Big Ten, man. And yeah, I know Purdue got tattooed, but that's Purdue, all right? Um, it's a little bit different. You get these programs like Wisconsin, like Iowa. They 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 live for these bowl games. Like they're gonna they're gonna show up, and you're gonna get an A effort uh, from them. You know, every every few bowls, I, I will get tattooed. But for the most part, you know, what you have these memories of crazy flea flickers. Remember the game against LSU years ago with uh, with uh, with Drew Tate uh, as uh, as quarterback. So you know, we've seen a lot of you know a lot of magic in bowl games uh, for the Iowa Hawkeyes over the years. I'm going to jump in on Iowa plus the points. And I'm fascinated by this Urban uh, Meyer Bowl game. And the public is just, like, steaming on Oklahoma State, on Ohio State right now. Where it's like, ooh, Urban Meyer's last game. You know, Urban Meyer's track record in big games and bowl games has been great. Yet, I think Washington have the athletes to, to be able to trade points with Ohio State. I think the total is a little low there in the 57-and-a-half range. I'm going to be betting the over. I'm going to put a nice little chuck on that game to go over the number in the Rose Bowl. Remember last year we had a real fun uh, Penn State and uh, Washington Rose Bowl got over the number. I see a similar style of football game here, but I think people are sleeping on the Washington Huskies a little bit in this game. You know, Washington didn't have a great year. You know, they, 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 they were expected. A lot of people thought they were going to make the playoffs. They lost that first game to Auburn. But I like the way that they, they fought through. They end up handling their business, um, taking care of business in the Pac-12. Here they are now in the Rose Bowl. And it's a big game uh, for them. We'll see if Browning just has one real big win on the way out. And I don't know if they win the game, but I think they're going to trade points uh, with them. And finally, in closing, another team, too. Yeah, I get it. Georgia. You know, Georgia, like, it's like Miss Universe and Miss Runner-Up, basically. Georgia are that good. But I think Georgia have to be a little bit disappointed that they're not playing in, 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 the, in, the, in the playoffs, that they know they're so good, but they're still, they still just can't get over that hump right now. And I know Texas's offense is so freaking simplistic, and I really wish they'd get a quarterback. I'm not comfortable with the Texas quarterback situation, but I am comfortable with Tom Herman's against the spread situation as a head coach, as an underdog. And when I'm getting 13 points with a coach that is the best coach in college football and pro football, uh, you know, in the entire football, any league of football, as an underdog, you need a double-digit points with the Texas Longhorns and the over in that football game. I think there'll be a ton of points. Gabe, great insight, great picks. We wish you the best. We wish you safe travels and more importantly. Well, I doubt y'all if they're great. <laughs> I doubt y'all. I hope, buddy. I hope. <laughs> we also we also wish you a very happy new year from Rich and I. We'll see you next week. 
For Rich Sermonello, Gabe Marenzi. Hey, good stuff, guys. I'm Joe Lisi. Have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy the games. We'll see you next Saturday. Happy New Year. Happy, happy New Year. Uh-huh.